What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Mets Legends cast. I'm Rob Pearsall, joined by my co-host, Mike Jennings, who today will be starring as Alejandro Deaza. <laughs> uh, and me, of course, I will be starring as Darren Oliver today for this episode. Um, so, Alejandro, how's it going? How's shagging those fly balls going in the outfield? You know, it's great. Um, I'm trying to think of like an Alejandro Diaz <laughs> highlight, and I can't really come up with one. His was, biggest uh, highlight? I'm a big-time, you know, serviceable defensive outfielder and left-handed hitter. <laughs> do you remember Do you remember when he was pretty much going to be Yoana Cespedes' replacement mm-hmm. in, in uh, 2016? Before then, they re-signed him, yeah. Yeah, like I think that the Wilpons were really not expecting for Cespedes to to come back here. Like, and he kind of fell back into their laps. But I think the plan was like they were really going to just have Alejandro Deaza play 140 games and pass that off like it was going to be okay. Um, and when you think about that, like it just it makes it like so much more sad. Like to think about yeah. like that could have been our reality. Yeah, remember when I was almost our starting. Out, you know, left fielder slash probably center fielder too. <laughs> Who Alejandro Deaza? Yeah, yeah. He's still somehow like you know. What's funny is like I don't. The Mets over the last like you know like 10, 10 years or so like have had so many outfielders that are like good but not superstars, and then they're yeah. just like they they come here and they're so forgettable. Like you think about like. Chris Young, the outfielder. You mm-hmm. think about Eric Albert Young Almora, Jr. Eric Young Jr., Albert Almora recently, Jake yeah. Marisnik, Keon Broxton. Like, <laughs> and just like, just like Alejandro Deaza, like, just these guys don't yeah. pan out here. And I'm sure, like, it's probably like that for like a lot of teams. Um, yeah. I mean, it, it's really, tr- truly, it's like most of the guys who play in Major League Baseball don't p- pan out, just like any other professional sports league. But, like, I don't know. It's just – it's a lot funnier, I think, being a fan of, you know, whatever team, us being Mets fans, like, looking back at those guys and just being like, what? Where are we thinking? You yeah. Know, what, I don't... what were we thinking with Jeff Frank Corr and Ryan Church and Trot yeah. Nixon? Like, <laughs> what? <laughs> Trot Nixon as a Met is like such like an obscure memory because like mm-hmm. I know that he was a Met, but I don't remember like him playing for the Mets. I, don't like, I know when. he was a Met. <laughs> yeah. I, I know he was a Met. And like I know like I was like, you know, I remember like when we when the Mets got him, I was I was happy about it. But it was like I can't like I can't think about a time where I remember him actually playing for the Mets. Like like no specific instance sticks out to me. Yeah. Um I just remember, especially being a kid at that time, and I know I know we have other things to get to, but just real quick, um, I just remember during that time, anybody who was from like that Red Sox era to sign them for me as a kid, I was like, oh, nice, it's a good signing, because yep. like I all of those guys, especially on like the 014, became just larger than life. Like when the Mets signed Doug Minkiewicz. Yeah, uh, you know, he made the last out in the 2004 World Series. He was playing yep. first base, so he was, uh, you know, I was like, oh, sweet. And he was actually decent. I actually like Doug Minkiewicz a lot. Um, but then you have a guy like Trot Nixon, where you're like, you know, 
probably could have done without him. What did he play, like, max 40 games for the Mets? I don't even know. Yeah, if that. Yeah. But you're right. Yeah, The Mets, the Mets actually, I feel like they kind of had a decent amount of those Red Sox from the 0-4 team because mm-hmm. they had Pedro – they signed Pedro Martinez that winter as well. Doug Mankiewicz, Tron mm-hmm. Nixon. Um, maybe that's it. Maybe it's just those three. But I think it might have been. But I mean, still, I was I was excited about each and every one of those signings, even though Trot Nixon ended up. I just looked it up. He played eleven games. <laughs> wow, he only played eleven games. That's crazy. The last eleven he, games of his career, actually. He he played for Cleveland before he was a Met. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I, I remember so. that was also that was also a uh, like kind of obscure team that he played for. Yeah. Um. Uh. What was I going to say? Doug Mankiewicz. I remember going into Models as a kid in like 2005 and being like, "Why do you guys not have Jeff uh, Doug Mankiewicz <laughs> jerseys?" <laughs> they were like, "What?" Who? <laughs> I'm pretty sure I did the same thing with Mike Jacobs too. At like at some point, like yeah. I just wanted all like the obscure jerseys. I remember going to City Field or Shea Stadium, and mm-hmm. like going to the team store, and they had shirts of like every player, and it mm-hmm. was like a gold mine. Like you can get anybody you wanted. Yeah. Um, you know, so it was always really cool. Like I, I remember back in the day, I had, you know, I definitely had a John Main shirt. I know for a fact I had a Pelfrey. I oh, I had this really yeah. cool. I had this really cool beige Jeff Francoeur shirt too. So beige? I was all it was beige. Yeah, it was like you remember how like the Mets uniforms? It wasn't beige. It was like oh that kind of like, like cream, shit, like cream color. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, it was like around that time where they were like rolling out the cream colored jerseys, I guess. Yeah. Um, and uh, so I had that Francoeur shirt. That that must have been like twenty two thousand nine or twenty ten. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, and so I mean. Even today, it's like I'm wearing a Robin Ventura shirt. You know, I, mean, I love to have like that's baller. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I was very happy to find this on uh, on eBay. And Robin Ventura belongs in in black. It does exactly. Yeah, like um, I can't like imagine having like a like blue like current Robin Ventura shirt. Like you got to have a black one, or even like even like as a jersey. Like if I were ever to get a Robin Ventura jersey, it would have to be either the black away or black home. Like, yeah. I, like it would just look weird in like the pinstripes, you know? Yeah. I would, I would maybe get like a, like a road, like a road Ventura Jersey, you know, like a gray yeah. one, but oh, definitely yeah. black. I always think about him in, in, in black as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, nice little trip down that. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> just, so just 15 minutes manager. spent on nonsense. <laughs> I could do it. I could do it for even longer too. Yeah. If you didn't stop me, I would just keep talking about it. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah. So uh, anyway, we just wanted to up you, update you guys. This is going to be our only episode this week. Um, you know, we've been doing like a two episode a week format and with Christmas coming up this weekend, we wanted to just, you know, uh, we figure everyone's going to be spending time with their families. And so, We'll roll, we'll roll back out with the two episodes next week, but this will be our only episode for this week. Um, so, you know, with that being said, uh, the most topical uh, news in Mets world right now is that they have their manager um, and, and kind of like we thought it was going to be when we talked about it last week. And I'm sure a lot of Mets fans thought it was going to be. It kind of seemed like all of the indicators were pointing towards him. But uh, Buck Showalter is now the new manager of the Mets. 
Um, and he really seemed to have knocked it out of the park during his press conference, which was held yesterday, which was Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Um, he said all the right things, pushed all the right buttons. And I think people are really pumped, really excited to see what he, what he could do um, as Mets manager. Um, and this, this might be Buck Showalter's last hurrah uh, to win finally as a manager. Yeah. Um, 65. And if he, if he, if he flops in Queens, you know, I don't know if he's going to get another chance. So mm-hmm. uh, I think he's really going to try to, you know, do all the things that he can to, to bring a title um, not only back to Queens, but, you know, a world series ring for himself as well. Yeah. And, you know, a couple of things about Buck since even last week when we were talking about it, that I didn't, that I've come to know, you know, since, since having, having him come back onto my radar like I think I think it's interesting what uh, what's happening in Major League Baseball. It seems like a little bit of like a like a market correction toward favoring experience for managers. Because I mean, we saw with Dusty Baker and Tony Larusa, and uh, you know last year those hires going on and playing in the playoffs and having that sort of like steady hand at the wheel sort of thing. No pun intended for Tony Larusa, um, <laughs> but. Yeah. But I mean, Jeez, I just I just noticed that one, man. That was that was brutal. <laughs> I don't like him. Oh, um, but no, I mean, hashtag, in terms of hashtag fuck Tony Larusa. Yeah, for sure. We are a we are a squarely a fuck Tony Larusa pod. Um, but, but we are not. We are definitely not a fuck Buck Show Walter pod because uh, another thing that I came to find out about him is that he is very much respected, uh, like all across the league. Uh, everybody, you know, I haven't seen a bad word about him um, or even like a, a disparaging word toward the Mets, which is an interesting breath of fresh air in sort of like the national spotlight, because, you know, as much as we as Mets fans, like for the lull Mets era to be over, I think baseball as a whole uh, really enjoys the Mets as like a punching bag. But I mean, there's really nothing you can point to this off season. Um, and this being sort of like the, the, the icing or the whipped cream on top of the cherry on top of the, you know, the, on the cherry on top of the cake uh, that was this off season. It was just, you know, it couldn't have gone much better um, pre-lockout. So, um, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm really looking forward to what Buck can bring to the table. Um, he said he's open to analytics, which was one of the things that we said we were a little bit concerned about with him. Yeah. Um, but I mean, if Dusty Baker can do it in Houston, why can't Buck Walter do it in, in a newly beefed up analytical New York Mets system? So we'll see how it goes. And that's the big thing too, where it's like, you know, he was asked about analytics yesterday and he said something along the lines of, we would have loved to be able to use analytics in Baltimore. They just mm-hmm. didn't have the means to do so. You know, they yeah. didn't have the analytics department to present these numbers to him, um, mm-hmm. to present these statistics to him. They didn't have the proper means to utilize it. Um, you know, and, and listen, I get it with older managers, you know, they're from a different time in baseball where, you know, still the game people, shifted. Though, and they can still change. Like, I think exactly. that's, that's one thing that's constantly left out of the conversation with older managers and generally like older people, like yeah. it, they can adapt. Buck Showalter yeah. can adapt and said he's even willing to adapt. So I'm, I'm really excited for that for sure. Sorry. Continue. No, you're right though. I mean, absolutely. Like, you know, just because someone's old, you know, or older, you know, in this game, 
uh, or in general, it doesn't mean that they are, you know, a certain way and they're not malleable, you know, and, mm-hmm. um, you know, Buck Showalter, like you said, has always seemed like a consummate professional. Um, you know, you read these little tidbits of conversations he's had with media members or people in the game. I remember even when he was managing the Orioles and I guess this must've been like eight, nine years ago. Now they had a game where they had to play with no fans in attendance because there were rioting outside of the stadium. And he was asked a question about, um, you know, like, like, like race stuff, you know, like he was Mm -hmm. asked a question about like, about like what was going on. And he basically just said like, you know, I don't know, like I, I can't answer that question, you know, as a, as a white person, you know, cause I don't understand mm-hmm. the struggle that black people are going through, you know? So, you know, he's like, he basically was standing in solidarity with them, but he acknowledged too, that he didn't know, you know, he didn't have the same struggles that they do, you know, or they have experienced. And so, yeah. All um, the right knowledge to answer. Like, exactly. Know, like, yeah. And I think he, he said it in a way that was, you know, it was it wasn't in any sort of like ignorant sort of way that he was like well i don't know but it was mm-hmm. it was very much like i i almost like i wish i knew um exactly i'd like to know but i just don't mm-hmm. um, yeah and i think i think exactly. that's especially if you don't have like the right thing to say about it like i think that was exactly the right way to handle that situation i remember that uh yep. press conference because i watched that game and i watched that press conference um and and i remember walking away with like a very similar feeling of like this guy is just you know he just gets it he's a professional and he's he's very respectful to not just his players but to everyone and and i think that that bodes really well um for a to have someone as steady as buck as sort of you know even keel um at the helm and like sure Luis Rojas was like very even keel that's kind of what he became known to be but like you said he was a little too lax at times even um yeah and and I think there's just a different air about Buck that commands a certain level of respect um that I think the players will really respond well to especially the younger ones Mm -hmm. I think that you know the big thing with Buck Showalter is that you know I remember when his, his name first came up you know I mean it was really before I knew, I, I mean, everyone that's a baseball fan pretty much mm-hmm. knows Buck Showalter, especially in New York. You know, he had managed the Yankees back in the 90s. Um, he's been in baseball time, you know. Here on time, I, though. Uh, <laughs> exactly, yeah. Like, that's I'm big. Hoping, that's not nothing. <laughs> I'm hoping that the Mets will consider using cotton uniforms, or maybe not, because <laughs> they they when you sweat through them, they get heavier. It's actually a disadvantage. Mm. Um, but, uh, um yeah, I just think that like he's the right guy right now to kind of like like steady the ship. Um, yep. And you know we've seen the press conferences in the past. You know, Brody Van Wagenen, Mickey Calloway. You yeah. know, and, and they all kind of give you the same regurgitated like responses. You know, we want to win in New York. Yeah. This and that. You know, Mickey Calloway's big thing was that he was going to love the players like they've never been loved before. You know, and it's like, you know. At the time, you hear it and you're like, "This sounds good," but mm-hmm. it obviously didn't pan out. I mean, Brody Van Wagenen was clearly very in over his head, um, you know, and it was also working under the Wilpons, which was like probably like a house fire. Um, yeah, and Mickey Calloway, um, 
you know, obviously apart from being a sex pest, he's, he's someone who just, again, like didn't know how to handle the New York media. There's that one time where he was talking about like how New York is a tough place to play and this and that. And it's like, you just don't say stuff like that. And yeah, Buck has been here before he's managed in New York before mm-hmm. he knows how to talk to, to, you know, answer the questions appropriately. And, and he knows how to handle this and not get flustered and not, you know, panic or crack under pressure, you know? And so um, I would have been fine with Joe Espada. I would have been fine with Matt Quattraro. I think they're up and coming managers, you know, future managers in this game. I was really, not that I was surprised, but I really would have, I really would have, um, I wouldn't have been surprised if one of them ended up being the A's manager. I know they just, they just tabbed say who's mm-hmm. an A's legend uh, to be their, their next uh, manager. But, you know, I think you'll see Quattraro and Espada get their chances. Um, but kind of talking about them, what the Mets really need to do now is they need to, they need to put a good staff around Buck Showalter, um, yep. especially ben, like, I think the top two pressing needs right now coach wise are you need a bench coach and you need a and you need a hitting coach um Mm -hmm. you know the Mets have had five different bench coaches in the last five years um you know it's like a rotating door um you know you obviously had uh this past year Dave Jouse who's been in baseball for a while had been the Mets bench coach in the past but wasn't someone who was really gonna benefit them yeah I thought I thought Joust would was actually like a good counter to the youth of Luis Rojas. Agreed. Um, yes. Like I think Absolutely. that was I think that worked for for the situation that was there. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it's gonna have to be. I, I think it's gonna have to kind of flip flop in that way, where mm-hmm. it's gonna have to be someone who who can definitely like help Buck navigate the especially like the the analytical language like that's even a barrier of entry for anybody who's i'm sure he's aware but uh but at like an organizational level i'm sure they use their own lingo and everything mm-hmm. um because you know when, when you're getting down to this the the nitty-gritty of what makes up you know war or ops plus um uh, like what are the components that get into it gets very mathematical mm-hmm. um which I, I would be interested to see you know how he approached that it seems like a really i mean sharp as attack so i'm sure he'll be fine but i, I yeah. think it would, still would be helpful to have someone who who has a little bit more of a background in it to to at least you know distill some information where it's where it's needed it's also an area where like i don't think the Mets should like really skimp on like i think that they mm-hmm. should really take their time and try to find a good bench coach um you know someone who's not a jim riggleman or a gary yeah. disarcina like someone who they can kind of, and honestly, like, I think it would have been like, I think Luis Rojas would have been a good bench coach like in this scenario, you know, where like, yeah. you know, had things not happened the way they did with Beltron. Um, and obviously you never know what could happen. Maybe Beltron would have been a terrific manager and um, we wouldn't even have Buck Showalter as a manager now, but I think, you know, Luis Rojas got bumped up directly from like quality control coach to manager, um, mm-hmm. you know, whereas like, let's say he had like a more normal trajectory where he could have went from quality control coach to maybe now being the bench coach for, for Buck Showalter. And then he gets that veteran leadership. Um, yeah. 
and then maybe one day he becomes manager. And an, I think he will another notch on the resume too. Like I think I think moving forward for Rojas, you know, it, it yes, he has managerial experience now, and yes, he there were some like decently talented Mets teams, and he navigated those injuries exceedingly well. Like I think he actually did a really great job as a manager last season. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I think if you look at a resume that says he's you know, whatever his record is as a manager, I know it's below 500 mm-hmm. um, rather than applying as a manager who has been under multiple famous managers, one of them being Buck Walter as a bench coach. I think that kind of, you know, I wonder if that makes a difference in like the, the sort of interview process for other managerial jobs for him. Yeah. I think, I think you're absolutely right. Um, yeah, I think that what the Yankees are, you know, I, I mean, he's going to be like their third base coach or something like that. But mm-hmm. you know, he could be very, he could very well be someone who, you know, if Aaron Boone, if they part ways with Aaron Boone, like you know, Luis Rojas is is already an internal candidate who will probably get a look at, um, or at least be in the a manager. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think you know the Mets should really you know. I don't know how many teams out there right now are in the need of a, of a, of a bench coach. You know, the Mets got kind of lucky with where after the Padres hired Bob Melvin, the only other team that was in search of a manager was the A's. So they were able mm-hmm. to kind of, you know, make a list and they didn't have to really rush, you know, and, yeah. and they, they, I think they, the managerial process was great. You know, I liked the three, like I've said, I, I liked the top three candidates for, for the manager, you know, and, um, you know, I'm happy that they hired Buck and, and, you know, what he said yesterday was, was really music to my ears. Um, yeah. I am, I am a little more concerned though about the hitting coach position um, just because yeah. of how, um, <laughs> just how volatile it's been. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, Chili Davis for as great a guy as he was, I don't think uh, did a particularly good job. And then Hugh Quattlebaum, what did he do? I have no idea. Um, <laughs> Hugh, Hugh was like one of those guys. I mean, I feel like he was that situation, I think probably should have been handled a little bit differently, you know, where like, yeah, Chili Davis. Cause I think he was, he was, I'm trying to think when he became hitting coach. I don't remember if it was 2019 or if it was for the short 2020 season. Um, but I mean, the team liked him obviously. Um, but it kind of seems like it's the same process for Chili Davis, like wherever he goes, right. Where it's Mm -hmm. like his methods, like, you know, like, like for on-field production just don't really seem to click, you know, like overall, like no matter how good of a person he is, like, Mm -hmm. you know, it didn't click in Chicago. It didn't click in in Boston, you know, and it didn't click in the, you know, New York and he might not get another opportunity to kind of redeem himself. But yeah, I mean, I would really like to see the Mets have another hitting coach similar to that of like Kevin Long, you know, who really yeah. turned Daniel Murphy's career around. Someone like that is what the Mets really need, you know? And I think Hugh Quattlebaum was just like, you know, obviously he was kind of just like a lame duck hitting coach. Like, and he was in a tough spot too, because he was, I don't really know like how, how he approached like talking to the hitters and stuff like that, but obviously the Mets hitting situation was a disaster last year, you know, and yeah. having Chile and then having like a different approach with Hugh Quattlebaum, I think just kind of like messed things up a little bit. You well, know? And the fact that basically every regular player other than Pete Alonso was hurt at some point mm-hmm. <laughs> during the season, like that's insane. And yeah. well, and James McCann, although 
No, wait, he got hurt for a little bit, didn't he? I think McCann was actually healthy for like he was like one of the few players that like I think like him and Francisco Lindor were like the only players that like stayed healthy for like the whole season. Yeah, I don't think Lindor was out at all. Yeah, he was. He had that oblique. Oh yeah, he was out for a while for a bit. McCann yeah. McCann played 121 games, which for I, a catcher that's, is that's pretty very full. much a full season. Yeah. Um, you know, um, and then. I mean, the thing with Hugh Quattlebaum, I think, was like, like, you know, we saw like the positives were with like Javi Baez, you know, where mm-hmm. Baez was not chasing so much, yeah, um, was drawing more walks, and uh, you know, the highest rate of his my, career, which was pretty interesting. And that was always the thing that I was kind of like, like the big knock in my mind against Javi was, whereas like he, when we first got him, you know, or when the Mets first got him. I was like, he's a free swinger, you know, he strikes out a lot. You know, I, I didn't really love his plate discipline, but to see it like, you know, where he was drawing, he wasn't striking out as much, you know, you saw him be a more, and therefore being a, a better player because of it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, you know, I think, I think that stretch as a Met was probably one of Javi's best in his career. Yeah. Um, and hopefully for him, he carries that over to, um, he carries that over to Detroit. To Detroit. Um, yeah. Let's go Tigers. But yeah, there you go. Um, I almost, I almost said Mike is back in Toledo right now, so yeah. he's close. And then I forgot that Detroit's in Michigan, not in Ohio. Well, <laughs> so still, so Toledo's. Close. <laughs> I am very close. Toledo's only like an hour away from Detroit. Well, there you go. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think hitting coach and bench coach are really where the Mets need to knock it out of the park, um, especially like you know because. The Mets at, at this point, like ever since Terry Collins has has stepped down, it's like it's been a revolving door for Mets managers too. You know, it's like, yeah. Yeah. and I think I think MLB teams are a little bit gun shy when it comes to managers. It's like if a guy doesn't get if a guy doesn't succeed in his first two years, it's like teams like will will often like get rid of them. You know, mm-hmm. um, and sometimes that's just not enough time. I mean, like guys have to, you know, there's a lot of learning, and and so you know. Mm-hmm. But hopefully that's that's where the show Walter hire will come in and will be good, you know, where he's kind of he's already had the experience, you know, and the Mets could really use that right now. Yeah, totally. So before we go, why don't we reminisce on some Mets legends of the past? We've already done it a little sure, bit. Yeah. yeah. Well, as as Alejandro de Aza, I think it's only right that I remember uh, Mike DeFelice. Mm. Of course, of course. Yes. Great catcher on the o- – not great, <laughs> but a catcher. <laughs> a a catcher. catcher on the 06 team. On the 06 uh, team, yeah. They had, like, a bunch of guys. They had, like, Kelly Stinnett, I think, was on the 06 team too. Yep. Um, the Mets have had some 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 guys, catchers. You know, I look back and it's like – Ramon Castro. Henry Blanco. Henry Blanco. Blanco. Oh, yeah. Um, Gustavo Molina is kind of a deep cut. Ronnie um, Paulino, Ronnie Paulino, Rod Barajas. I love Rod Barajas. <laughs> Me too. Me too. I liked him a lot. John Buck, obviously. Brian Schneider, who we've talked about on the pod, who is, as of recording, I think he's still technically on the Mets coaching staff. Uh, I think he's actually gone. Um, oh, is he? He was. He was as of this year, but they pretty much just everyone except Jeremy Hefner is Clearhouse. gone. Bummer. Yeah. They were kind of just like you're free to like, maybe he'll get reassigned somewhere in like the organization. Um, yeah, which would be fine. I mean, I like Brian Schneider. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I always remember his walk-up song was Cyclone. Uh, 
that song Cyclone, where it's like, she moved her body like a oh, cyclone. Oh, yeah, I was just gonna ask. No <laughs> shit, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, that was that was his uh, that was his walk up song in like 2008. That's um, awesome. And uh, yeah, so anyway, my the guy that I'm gonna remember is so I said I was Darren Oliver earlier, mm-hmm. and so it kind of reminds me of like this era of Metro Leavers. The guy that I'm remembering is Vic Darrensburg. <laughs> Who is that? <laughs> Vic Darrensburg. He definitely was a Met. I know he was. Are you sure I know he was. I think he was. Think he was like, no, Vic Darrensburg. I swear. I think he was on the 05 Mets. I'm checking right now. We're going to get a fact check right now. Vic Darrensburg. Oh, hey, he played for the Mud Hens. 2004 Mets. 2004 Mets. He was. Okay. He played four games for the 2004 <laughs> Mets. <laughs> yeah, and then I think he went on to play for my Toledo Mud Hens. So that's that's great. He was Big on the Dan's Tigers, yeah, in 2005. Yeah. He actually had a 2.82 ERA in 22 games. Vic nice. Darrensburg. That's probably my, my deepest cut so far. That is a deep, deep cut. That was like a miserable season too. 2004, the Mets were just absolutely terrible. Yeah. Five. Jeff Keppinger was like their top Five prospect. Games. Jeff Keppinger, yeah. <laughs> He's yeah. like the – I think I've told you about Jeff Keppinger where it was like – because I always used to see him in like the video games, but he never had a picture. He was mm-hmm. always just like that silhouette. Yeah, and I thought he was made he was up. Like a made up player. Yeah. Yeah, same. And then yeah. I – and that, really, it's so funny. And then, yeah. like, it's actually real. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> His name just sounds just sounds made up too. Like, it it's like, like I thought he was like a Reggie Stalker, like John right. Dowd type. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I mean, Jeff especially Cap- when you're seeing, like, when you're, I don't know, when you go to like GameStop and there's like the magazines there that are like, you know, who's who are these? Like, I remember there was some way where you could like match um, like real people to their made up prospects in like the old MVP baseball games. So me and my, mm. me and my brother would go team by team and like change their names to <laughs> whoever they were. <laughs> yep. I yeah. used to like, bo- I usually like boost the shit out of their stats too and make them like 90. Oh, hundred percent. Like I actually, the reason why I said Mike DeFelice was because I think he came up and started like hit- hitting pretty immediately. Like in his first like three or four games, he was like hitting pretty well. So on MVP baseball, obviously I just boosted his stats all to 100, 100, 100, and he just was hitting 500 foot home runs every time Hell he yeah. came up. <laughs> Launching those piss missiles. Yep. <laughs> so in the in the spirit of Christmas, I think that we should do a two first since we're not going to have an episode. Uh, okay. This this week, and I think that we should try to name the most obscure Met that we could think of. And, and the only so like the, the, the main thing will be we'll do 21st century on so from from 2000 on so that way we're not getting into like the like 1962 met like vinegar bend mazelle or something like that okay <laughs> oh man um you surprised me with this one so i'm gonna let you go first all right so my mind in these situations either goes to like 0203 because mm. the Mets had a lot of like legends at that point or like 2010 through 2011 where they also had a lot of really random guys mm-hmm. um oh, all right I have one that I'm going to say as an honorable mention I don't want to I don't want to use it as my main one though okay. um let's see here um 
Felix Heredia Ooh. is gonna be my is gonna be my my he was a relief pitcher, I believe, on the O3 Mets mm-hmm. or O4 Mets. And my honorable mention is another reliever, Lino Urdaneta, who I think was on the 07 Mets. See, I know those names at least. Like, I think Vic Derensburg is even. That was a deep cut. That was a deep cut. (laughs) That was when I was like, my obsession of the Mets was like at an all time high. All time high. I just like, I just like, I would spend, whenever I would go to the computer, like every hour, I would just go to Mets.com immediately and look at their depth chart. So, like, yep. No, I, um, I, I feel you for sure. Um, I, I am thinking of two and my mind always just goes to Oh four because it was such a shit show. And yeah. for whatever reason, I was like so excited for that season because of like Kaz Matsui and, like, yep. um, you know, I just thought he was going to be the greatest thing there ever was. Um, but in that spirit, I would like to name two guys from the Oh four team. And they are, I- Essex Sneed. Yep. And Tom Wilson. <laughs> Tom Wilson was a catcher, right? Yep. Tom Wilson. That's a deep cut. Yeah. I barely I barely remember him at all. Yeah. Yeah. He played in four games for the 04 Mets. Mm-hmm. And, and that was it. That was his whole and Mets that was career. It. <laughs> Tom Wilson. Jesus Christ. But that was another that was another MVP baseball kind of guy where I was like, oh, the Mets just called up Tom Wilson. I gotta go find him in the game yeah. like <laughs> <laughs> that was the cool part about mvp baseball though is that they yeah. had the minor leagues mm-hmm. where like no other games at that point did like even like mlb yeah. the show it took them like years to add like the like the minor leagues like i remember playing like mlb 09 or mlb 10 the show and they only had the you only had the 40-man roster to work with and like um, maybe some uh like reserves i guess it was like yeah, the, yeah pretty much the 40-man roster you're right yeah yeah and then like and, then, and it was like it made no sense because it's like you would draft guys and like mm-hmm. the, the draft and then you'd have to add them to like your 40-man roster pool like right away. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, that was but, weird. But MVP baseball was great because you did have like the Tidewater Tides, the Binghamton mm-hmm. Mets, like mm-hmm. you know, like uh, yeah, that the was soundtrack, awesome. the soundtrack for MVP baseball 05, just fucking phenomenal. Like still Clapped. holds up to this day. Oh yeah, oh yeah. That that's definitely in the pantheon of of the the best of the best game soundtracks. It's not like there's a few from that era of like FIFA and NHL that were also like insanely good. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I mean, I still make playlists on Spotify to this day with songs from from all those games. Hell yeah! Uh, Madden 06 was another game that had a really good soundtrack. Oh, banging, yeah. But yeah, Tom Wilson, that's a deep cut. Essex Sneed, he had that walk-off home run against the Montreal Expos, I remember. Mm-hmm. Um, he would he might be someone that I might look to do an article on. Ooh. Essex Sneed. I think that'd be good. Yeah. I recently but bought like an autograph card of his. He was a, oh nice. That's worth like 10 cents. He's <laughs> he's were he I remember him being a like he was supposed to be a highly touted prospect. Um, but all he ever did, he played like 17 games in 02. And then he came up for one game in 2004. And I always remember thinking like, that was the, one of the first Mets prospects that I was like really aware of. Um, 
because I mean I don't know when you're younger when you're any younger than like 11 10 or 11 years old you just prospects aren't really like a thing you pay attention to Um, no so I just I don't know he just always stuck out in my mind and I liked his name I thought it was really cool it's a really cool name and you're right though it's like I remember even like I think it was like an 05 the Mets called up Tim Hamulak is like a like when the rosters expanded in uh-huh. September, yeah. and I literally just didn't even know who he was. Like, mm-hmm. like I was like, "Ooh, new guy," but like I didn't yeah. know. Like I never heard of him. And then he was used in the deal to get Dwaner Sanchez from mm. the Dodgers. Um, but yeah, Essex Sneed, and I always kind of lump him with like Prentice Redman, who is like also like a prospect at that point um, sure <laughs> who i also like didn't know until he came up and like when i was like seven yeah yeah exactly so on that note we wish you guys a merry christmas and a happy we'll see you before the new year but yeah. merry christmas hope santa is good for you guys i hope you guys get gifted some delightful kazmat suey shirts for christmas <laughs> um maybe some maybe some brian bannister merch you know. Or that that uh, if I can if I could find that David Wright Craig Brazell future stars baseball card I think that oh, would I love really that make card. my Christmas I can't find I it I don't know where, I don't know where it is it's really they're sad wearing the, they're wearing those like <laughs> orange spring training jerseys in that card yeah, yeah. I love it <laughs> all right well all right Merry Christmas we'll see you guys next time Merry happy Christmas. holidays yeah all right.